questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, well, welcome home. And tonight, you really don't want to miss this interview, so I really encourage you to go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. Not only will you be listening to the second part of the show, but to hundreds of other programs, hundreds of hours of truth that you will not get anywhere else. And if you want to get in touch with me, you want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or simply have feedback, just click the contact button of our website. And also don't forget to buy pure organic sulfur. Give it a try and see the difference. Click on the Start button of our website. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe to our channel and like us on Facebook. John Irwin is a 78 year old retired ex UK Special Forces operative, about which he has written a book, namely The 16. He wrote the book because he was trying to hopefully make contact with others who had also been a part of this ultra covert and highly skilled unit. The reasons for its being so highly covert was that both British intelligence and the government of the day in the 1950s had been infiltrated to the highest level by what is known by some today as the New World Order. There is a lot of detail that go into about the 16 and what their objectives were, how they came to be, why and what they were hoping to achieve and the difficulties he and others encountered, things which he did not expect. You could say it was out of this world. And to tell us more, John Irwin is with us directly from the UK. Hello, Mr. Irwin, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hello, Mel. Um, thank you for the invite. I am fine, thank you. Um, where do you want to begin? You want to begin at where I was born? From the beginning, but let me say this also. Yeah. I know you're very selective in the people that you agree to be interviewed by. And I want to say, first of all, thank you to my friend, Catherine Bukalu from Truth Connections. Check her, her radio program out, folks. It's, it's a good one, too, and she's a friend. And she was one who uh, recommended me to you, so I appreciate that. Right from the beginning, I wanted to say that. And also, uh, John, if I might call you John. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Our audience is mostly composed of people who possess a healthy level of skepticism. We, we don't want to believe, we want to know. With a name like Veritas, we, we expect nothing but the truth. So here's the Veritas pledge, and I say this with the utmost respect. Everything you will present to us tonight is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Do you agree with the Veritas pledge, John? Yes, I do. Um, I'll get to close to the truth as possible without putting myself into, um, into some kind of problems with the elite. I'll get as close as I can with it. Let's begin with your story. When and where were you born? And did you display any abilities that called the attention of your quote-unquote recruiters? Well, I was born in Newcastle, Newcastle-upon-Tyne. That's in the northeast of England, right on the borders of Scotland. Uh, we're known as Geordies. And the reason why we're known as Geordies is because King George I 
who formed his first army up here in the northeast. He was called George, and we became George's men, and then we became Geordie's men. And that's where we got the nickname Geordie's, you see. So anyway, I was born in Newcastle in 1938. Um, that was two, two uh, years just bef before the Second World War. Um, I spent about six years at school. We had, my parents had, we lived in a two-bedroom, two-bedroomed uh, house with no electricity, just gas supply. The water was outside. Uh, we lived that, like that for about 10 years until we moved into a council house in, in the country. That was around about 1952. So things got a lot better for my parents and, and of course, for me. Um, I left school at 14, went to work on a farm. Um, I wanted really to be a mechanic. Um, that didn't come about. Um, I ended up in the garage, but I wasn't learning anything. So uh, in 1957, uh, the British government, which was National Service then, sent for me to uh, join the British Armed Forces as a two-year service. So I went, me, me, I didn't have to go into the army because I was just learning to trade at the time. But my me, me mom told us to uh, join the army because she thought I was wasting my time trained to be a mechanic. So I went into the armed forces, wanted to be in the Royal Electrical Engineers. But that didn't come about, unfortunately. I ended up in an ordinary working regiment called the Pioneer Corps. From there, I never drank in my life. I've never drank. I never even tasted uh, spirits at all. Uh, when I first went into the training program with the British Armed Forces, the first three weeks, I used to just go down to the gym on a regular basis while everyone else went to the naffy for their drinks and what have you. It was during that period of time, maybe, um, me going down to the gym when I was first approached by um, just happened to be a Geordie sergeant in, in North Wales uh, where I was training um, and that's where it all started um, I was asked then don't forget I'm, I'm 18 years of age who's got very little schooling no education at all really have no idea what's going on in the world. I was really naive, I, you know. Um, so when I was approached and they said, would I like to do something better than what I was going to be doing? Uh, I just went along with them and said, yes, I would. Because I was only going to be working as a laborer, you see. And um, he said that at some point in the near future, after my training, I'd be approached again. I never heard any more until my training was done. There was um, some problems in the Middle East and Beirut and in, in, Lebanon. In, North, in Lebanon, yeah. And um, there was a massive airlift out there. Uh, there was 18,000 troops left in one night. So we were all rushing the aircraft and flying out there. 
So I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea where Cyprus was or even the Middle East when it comes to that. Um, so on the way there, uh, our aircraft, one of the engines caught fire and we had to land at Malta. But just previous to that, I was told I was going to go to Beirut. I was going to be stationed at Beirut. When we landed in Malta, things changed for some reason. They said that the plans had changed for for me, that I had to go to Cyprus instead. So we, we went to Cyprus. I was at Cyprus for about a week. Well, I had to put my own camp up. And um, after work, working in the, in the real hot weather, building our own camp, we were allowed to go down in threes to the beach, was, which the beach was called uh, Tunnel Beach in Episcopi. And um, three, three of us went down to the beach. As we, uh, well, three of us, we had to take a rifle between us because of the terrorist activity. When we got down there, I decided I would just sit on the beach where the other two pals went off swimming. When I did, when they went off swimming and I was just lying there on the beach, um, this chap came up to me, uh, very well spoken, you know, the Queen's English, and he, he knelt down beside us and he said, um, he, he said, my name's Ken. And can you remember when you were first approached in the gym in North Wales? And to be honest with you, I forgot all about it. Um, so I, I, after a while, and you know, he explained to us exactly what happened. He said, yeah, I do remember now. I said, so what's, you know, what's happening? What's, what's the idea? They said, well, look, at it. if you really want to go forward with this, um, you're not going to be training like you are now. Um, you're going to be going into more exciting areas. They were the they were the words he used. Uh, it'd be very very exciting for you. Um, so I agree with it. But at the time, I I used to stammer quite a bit. I couldn't understand why these people were why they had chosen me for this this whatever it was at the time. I had no idea. I ended up in a, in what you call the officers' mess. Uh, as a head waiter, and <laughs> I thought, well, if this is if this is the special training, you know, I, I was really disappointed. Um, after about two weeks or, or three weeks in this officer's mess, they actually got rid of the stammer I had. I had to stand at the head of the table, uh, at the officer's table, and read off the menu. Apparently, well, that cured me. Uh, it's a long story, and. You know, the, 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 the bits in between that are all in the book, my book that I wrote. Um, anyway, to cut a long story short, from there I went back to my normal duties um, in the regiment. And then one morning again, uh, they sent me off in a truck. Well, normally we don't go off single-handed in a truck. We always have to have someone with, with, it, with a rifle. But this one day I was picked and I was sitting in the truck waiting for the two, you know, to uh, go to this uh, other camp, which was in Limassol. And I sat in the truck waiting for this other chap coming, and he never came. They banged on the door of the of the truck, 
And they said, why are you still here? I said, because I'm waiting for the other party. They said, um, no, no, you've got to go alone. I said, well, that's not in the, you know, that's not right. Uh, we shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing this. And they said, oh, you'd be picked up just farther along the road. So anyway, I drove off and I was approximately about two miles from where the camp was when I bumped into this guy who was standing on the side of the road waving at me and I drove past him because I didn't know who, the, who, who he was. And um, when I drove past, then I realized that it was the same guy that I had met on the beach. So I stopped and reversed back. It was from then on I went with him in a jeep and to the, the foot of Trudis Mountains. We left the truck. I was really upset about leaving the truck. I had no idea who these people really were. I was a bit worried in case it was you know, it could be the enemy. Um, what was making us do it? I had no idea. I just trusted these people for some reason. Um, from there on, they took me to... Um, uh, what looked like an old aeroplane hangar uh, at the foot of Trudis Mountains. When I looked at the place, it was falling to bits. It had a, an old concrete base, and that concrete base was all cracked. There was weeds growing through it, so it didn't look, at, look as though it had been used for years. And I, you know, I thought, this is it. I'm, I'm in trouble here. This doesn't look right at all. So anyway, I... They took us into the building, into this hangar, where I saw three men training, and um, in, in a way that I had never saw before. Uh, it was unusual. It, it didn't look, it didn't look natural, in the way they were training. In other words, it wasn't like people boxing or wrestling or anything. That was quite unusual. It was not like martial doing. arts. No, it wasn't anything, it was nothing like martial arts at all. And um, I just stood there in amazement. Uh, I didn't know what to say. They came over and they introduced themselves to me. And then I had to go to the far end of this hangar, up a few steps into this little office, which was literally falling to bits, Mel. You know, the, 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 there, was a, the, there was some windows, which were all broken, and uh, I went through this this door, and the, the door was in in a, in a bad way as well. So they took us into this what looked like an office. It had a, an old table, with, and the table was made up of planks of wood. You know, it, you know, it wasn't a it wasn't a, a a proper table, if you like. It was something that had been put together with planks of wood and what have you. So I just sat there, and I had. Like I said, I could hear the, these guys training, but I couldn't see them at that point. And I wanted to get up and have a look. And this camp was just saying, no, sit down. You'll, um, you'll be learning that fairly soon. And I says, all right. I says, I'm, you know, I says, I'm really impressed. I says, it's something I would really like to learn. Well, he says, you will be learning it. So I sat there and he he started, how can I explain? It's very, very difficult. He started going through life, lifespan, you know. He was talking about old people dying, people who had things wrong with them, you know, cripples, 
And he literally started pulling life to bits, telling me how pointless life was. I couldn't understand that at all. He was really depressing me. And he, he was more or less saying, is life worth going on with? So this went on for quite some time. Then he started showing us pictures of people who'd been killed, uh, you know, even massacred. And I, I couldn't understand where this was going. It was really upsetting us at the time. Was he trying to traumatize you? I, I, I don't know. I had no idea at that particular time. So what he did was, um, and I said to him at the finish, I said, what's all this about? He says, well, it's, um, it's, it's going to be part of your training. We'll have to be able to make sure that you do not suffer from fear because it's fear that gets in the way. And this is, this is, we need to see how you're going to react to what we're showing you. So uh, I said, okay. After that, after he showed me all these pictures and people being killed and what have you, he says, have a cup of tea. So um, I had a cup of tea. He says, do you still want to go on with this? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, I really still don't know what this is all about. But I said, yeah, okay. And um, then he started, after I had a cup of tea and had a good chat again about just normal things, he started showing me pictures of, he explained that I was number 16 and I was filling in that I had lost someone and I was more or less taking his place. That was the impression I got. And um, they said that I was going to be learning some unusual things in a way that's totally different from any other kind of training. So still I had, still I had, I couldn't get my head wrapped around this. And um, he showed me a picture of a guy sitting in what looked like the similar chair to what I was sitting in, in the same building. And this guy appeared to be in flames. His body, there was blue flames, or what looked like blue flames, coming off him. And the reason why I say blue flames, it's a black and white film, but the flames just looked as though they were coloured in some way. And he explained to us that that's exactly what they were, they were blue flames. It had something to do with combustion. Um, I, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, exp I couldn't explain it. And they, they said that um, this is a sort like, of, like spontaneous combustion. That's right. It was, con yeah, that's exactly what it was. But they said um, the reason for that was that the guy had was contaminated. <laughs> So I said, what do you mean contaminated? I mean, uh, in what way was he contaminated? Well, he said, look, you don't drink. Is that right? I said, yeah, I've never tasted it. I, I don't drink spirits at all. He said, well, we know that. He said, well, at some point he did. And he said, I said, well, why, why me? I mean, I said, I've got no education. I'm not an educated guy, so why me? He said, well, you've got everything that's needed for this particular program. And I said, well, what's that? He says, well, you're a keep fit fanatic. You don't drink. You've never drank. You've never even... 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.